This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 669, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 669. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Well, hello. And a special bonus treat this, this week. Some listeners might hear my aging bulldog snoring. I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm a little envious of that particular aspect of his life. I, I, the snoring actually is not at all uh, intrusive. It, it lets me know he's okay. He's alive. He's, he's relaxed. He's happy. He's just snoozing mm-hmm. away. In his head, he's still young, chasing rabbits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His Good back legs work completely fine in his head. Good for him. That was for you, George. <laughs> George, we dedicated this week's podcast to you. You know what? Let's dedicate the show to you. He's, he's nonplussed. We are iFanboy, and everyone can read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book and calls it the book, The Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, and quite frankly, this week, too many other books. It was a, it was a, it was a week. It's verging on too many, that's sure. It was a real, it was a real back and forth getting enough books on the show and getting too many books and leaving some out we wanted to talk about. That's the, that's our pain. We take comics on. comics will jerk you back and forth because you know you'll have a couple of light weeks in a row and you think, well, I can handle this. this isn't so bam, you know? <laughs> oh and, no! And not only that, but a lot that are that are interesting or things to talk about or you know some weeks where there's we're really struggling to fill out the rundown. But this week it was like, oh, I guess we're not talking about GI Joe. So many number ones. Or yep. number one-ish things. Well, that will come up. So, it's fun. We have a good time. We hope you have a good time. Everyone should have a good time. If you're not, I can't help you. There's well, a spoiler warning. It's a review show. Yeah. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution this week. Josh had the pick, and I was really kind of on pins and needles, Josh, waiting to find out what the pick would be, because I had no idea. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not sure I there's did. there's a week where I'm like, oh, okay, that's probably Josh's pick, but I had no idea what you would pick either. It was uh, it was one of those things like after I read everything, I was like, I don't really know what this is going to be. Um, but I went back to the idea that Daredevil number, Daredevil number one, which, by the way, should not be a number one. It no. should just be the next book in whatever Charles Soule's run was. Was Char- was the there first – go ahead. No, there, there was a book this week that should have been a number one and wasn't, and this book wasn't number one and didn't need to be. Yeah, it was it was very obvious. Anyway, that's not the point though. I don't remember if, like if Charles Soule's first issue was a number one too, with Ron Garney. I, I don't think know. It and was. the thing is, like, you can't make heads or tails of Marvel's strategy with this. Yeah, they went back to on some of the books to the, to the legacy numbering, then they renumbered them again, and and for a while they were renumbering it whenever a new creative team came on, but then they stopped doing that. But now they're doing it again here, and it's just sort of very confusing. Yes, it is. Uh, but let's get past that. We can um, call it Daredevil six hundred and thirteen if you want. I I would prefer that. I think that's the. Yeah. I I, re, I want them to go all the way back because it's a short term gain and it's 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 ruining to me one of the great things about comics. Uh, but we don't give. Either, well, I don't know. I would think we don't give people credit for it, but perhaps people don't get credit for it. Of just oh well, well how about have a number one? But it's not like there's a collector's market flourishing for this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't like it, but that doesn't mean that I'm right, is basically what I'm getting at. So, it means that's your opinion. The reason that um, 
this is the pick of the week is because as I was reading it, I went, oh, this is Daredevil. And my thought was, I haven't really felt like that in some time. Um, so Charles Soule's run was very entertaining, yes. but I felt like more about the politics of New York. A lot of it was Wilson Fisk as mayor. A lot of it was Matthew as, as Murdoch as, as mayor. Um, it seemed like it was more about that. You're right, and, and that's not even bad, but I think No, no, that, no, it was a different story. Yeah, no, I just, story. I think it's a good move to to vary it. So as they came back around, they made the choice of, instead of carrying on with this, like, let's do a, you know, tortured daredevil sort of story again. I If this was just this for five years, you'd want to kill yourself. But, sure. like, in this, it was it was comforting. It was familiar. And also, it was really well done. It's, it's funny, I have, it's just my confession is that, I thought I didn't like Chip Zdarsky. You don't like his humor books. No, I don't. That's true. And also, you know, like I didn't like his the the cult of of Chip Zdarsky that has sort mm-hmm. of sprung up, sure. which I completely understand was part of his marketing ploy so that he can get into the position where then he can do these books. And I, I understand that, but it was sort of like he was tied in with Matt Fraction from doing the Sex Criminals book, and I, I've never really liked his whole cult of personality thing either. You know, n- that's nothing to do with his work. Some of it I like, some of it I don't. Um, but I did lump it in with there, and so I sort of prejudged it. Now, when that Marvel 2-in-1, which was, you know, uh, uh, The Thing and, and, and Human Torch, like, I was like, this is really good. And then he's done other stuff. He's he's done he's, – he, he writes a good comic book. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. I used to – you know, back when we had Ron as our third co-host, he would often highlight Zdarsky's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just—it's hard to say and spell. Um, <laughs> Zdarsky's uh, humor books, which he yes. really liked, and and I would try them, and it was—you know—it wasn't for me. And I agree with you. I, I sort of did the whole sort of cult around him, his humor stuff. Really, I didn't—I didn't—I didn't connect to it, so I sort of wrote it off. But when you, you know, we started doing. Uh, he started doing more serious books. I was like, oh, he's actually really, really good at this. And, and, and I, fun. I really like this. I yeah. like this issue a lot. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I liked that we had – and also it, it it felt like Daredevil Daredevil comics, not necessarily the Daredevil TV show. Um, Except for the hair color, but yes. Yeah. But, you know, like taking all Why that – Why is it, he a brunette as a kid in the flashback but a auburn-haired adult? Eh, well, that does change, but – if I'm going from like the sort of last page of the church scene into the one of him in the bed with a girl, his, his hair looks red. Looks about no, no, the same. No, the adult, the adult Matt is auburn haired mm-hmm. here. He's he's red haired, but it's it's closer to the brown. Yeah. But but when you look at the flashbacks to him as a kid with the priest, mm-hmm. like page six on your digital reader. Yep. He that is a brunette. Yeah. Anyway, or page five. That it's just weird. That's fine. Uh, and. I do want to. I do want to say that um, Michael Cicchetto is really good. We love. Yeah. We love his work. It's. It is surprising to me that you highlighted this book for which he was removed from Old Man Hawkeye to draw. Well, I feel you, like we, you, you should hold more bitterness towards. Well, I, I could, but what does that get us? Um, Entertaining content. Because well, here's the thing: uh, you cut to the page where he's flipping around on the roofs as as Daredevil, and he's in a a pretty roots Daredevil costume. Uh, you can mm-hmm. see the fabric coming off. It's not all just skin tight. I like that it was kind of like ninja pants. Yeah, and uh, it, that's a, that's a great drawing. It, it just, I really like how he depicted Daredevil in that. I really, oh, I like the art here. I think the production is maybe even a little better than it was in Old Man Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it's 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 the city, so it's not sort of a bleak hellscape that he was doing, and it was just a little tighter, which not good or bad, but I think was appropriate for this. Um, I like Daredevil sort of going back in the church. I think that that really we get away from it sometimes, and it'd be dumb if that was all it was, but it really does put this character in a different place as all of the other vigilantes and stuff. Is that you know, like that's where his morality is rooted, and and. But I don't he is ha- the devil, so you, it's, yeah. it's religious at its core. Yeah, that's true. I, I I think I sometimes forget that, but but that's the case, and you know, guardian devil and that kind of like. But it works really well if used in the right amount. And we hadn't been back to it for a little while, and it's just it's just a reset, you know, back to yeah. a, a version of it that that I really well, I like that he picked up. That it's a reset, but it's also very continuous from the last yes. arc, which is you know at the end of the last arc of Daredevil, he was hit by a truck, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so the whole story here is that he is recovering. He has basically mostly recovered, but he is not at his A game. And that is the crux of the story is that yeah. he is not. He may look awesome on the roofs, but he is not quite. Yeah. He shouldn't really be out there is the point. But and he he's, can't you help know, he's, himself. He's sort of back to his being self-destructive. He's taking pain pills. He might have a reason to, but that's he's picking up women in the villain bar He with a big tramp Listen. stamp. Nothing wrong with that. I know that, but it it's still it's a sign of we've seen Matt go off the rails in that way before and sort of go there. And he's you know, there's the the indication that he's addicted to violence. Like is he doing it to be helpful or does he like feeling strong or like all that stuff that's swirling around that psychological drama, I think it works great in Daredevil. It's yeah. It's it's what has been interesting about it um so much in the past. But you know just, what? Just to circle back to the yeah. the one night stand, I mean, I really like that scene. Because, you know, and the next morning she's like, I, I came home with you because you're blind. Because for once I don't have to be the pretty girl. Yeah. I can just be me. And I thought it was a really great conversation between the two of them where she was like, listen, I mean, you're really attractive and you've got muscles. But mostly you just talk to me as a person because you couldn't see me. And I really liked that. And that's yeah. why I came home with you. I really liked that. I mean, it was a, I was really impressed by this issue. I said earlier I wasn't quite yeah. sure what the pick was. I, I might have picked this too. I didn't really think about what I would have done, but this was, this was really, really good Daredevil. Yeah, and, and like as you as – basically as I thought about it more when I was trying to find a pick, I was like, you know, that was – as I was reading it, I was like, this is really, this is really interesting. This is, this is really strong. And then as we go back and talk about it now, I'm not convinced otherwise. I'm just more shored up in the idea that it was just good Daredevil. It was good writing. It was great character work. Uh, you know, it all it's 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 modern and it's also connected to sort of classic Daredevil and so it's, it's a two things, though. One. The one thing I didn't necessarily love is the cop from Chicago coming in who hates vigilantes. It's kind of yeah. a cliche. It is. I, I, um, I thought that, too. But then there was a mistake in that scene. I don't know if you caught it. So in this in the scene, Daredevil Daredevil stops a robbery. He beats up a bunch of robbers and ends up accidentally killing one. That's the big mm-hmm. thing that happens in the yes. issue. Which is um, a good, just good plot. Yeah. Point. And the cops show up, and I'm trying to find the page. The cops show up, and there's, it's two uh, uniformed officers talking about the scene, and one of them is like a veteran. He doesn't want to get involved because he knows there's no point in it. The other one's like a, she, she wants to, you know, she's, she's trying a good to do cop. the right thing, rookie, whatever. Um, and that's when the detective shows up from Chicago, the new guy. And uh, where is that page? Oh, here it is. That's. Uh, and so these are two uniformed officers talking to the cop and um at, on page uh 11 he the, the 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 detective calls one of the officers detective he says hmm. it's all right detective i understand so that oh, was yeah he does that's that's a, that's a mistake so either they were meant to be detectives because they kind of act like detectives yeah 
Or they do because they said it's me. their crime scene, and a, a uniform guy wouldn't. It wouldn't be his crime scene. I did notice right, so that. I, this seems like it was an art mistake. Like uh, Chichetto drew two uniform officers that should, should have been plain clothes. Clothes. Oh detectives. yeah, yeah. That's true. And uh, it just seems odd that that wasn't fixed in some way. Either I take actually, the word out or I stuck whatever. on that panel because he came in hard and he was like, "I'm writing you up, and I'm going to write you up." And then she, and then I actually went back and read it, and she hadn't actually done anything wrong yet. She didn't right. agree to to skip it. She didn't have a chance to. The other guy just said, "Don't do it." And she was sort of standing there when the guy came along. He's like, "I'm going to write you up." And I was like, "You can't do that." She hasn't well, done anything. She, did she didn't say file a report. On page ten, she did say, uh, "We don't know who did it. The, the victim didn't know." Mm-hmm. And then the guy's like, "Daredevil did it." And so he's like, "Okay, you lied." Yeah. That was the only thing. That was what she did wrong. But yeah. Um, I okay. think these two were meant to be like, you yeah, know, I get it. The, the point still came across because you know it's a minor thing. I just, I just like whoa, big cliche cop. I'm hoping that there's a twist about this character that's more interesting than what we're seeing. But right. uh, you know, I do like the one good cop, you know, who's too hard and he's at odds with Daredevil, and they'll they'll have a team up. I mean, we've seen it all, but hopefully there'll be something different about it, or at least mm-hmm. something enlightening about it. I guess it didn't it didn't put me off the issue. Um, but I know I I agree. I know what you're saying. What do you think Matt goes through in his sheets budget? I mean, at the end of this issue, he is collapsed on his bed, and it's just everything's covered in blood. Also, that is a lot of pillows. <laughs> no, here's two, what I know: three, four, no five. single man in New York City has more than two pillows. Well, he has he has seven pillows on this one yeah. shot. There's there's no way. I want to no. know what kind of opulence Ch- Chiquetto is living in. <laughs> he must be married, because uh, he would never have. You know what's never. awesome though. Is that it's it's actually six pillows, but still, it, like it's consistent from the beginning to the end. And when he's laying in his bed earlier, there's that many pillows. And then on this bed, there's that many pillows. Hey, there you go. So that's Shadow's nice. great. He's, he's quickly become one of my favorite artists. Yeah, I when know. I see him on something, I I, I I go, oh, that's 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 good. That's exciting. Who did the cover? The cover is terrific. I don't know. I got to go back yeah. to the beginning. I go back to the beginning. We just watched Princess Bride. So the problem uh, yeah, here... No, I, I love this. this. This was great. The problem here is that uh, people have issued uh, signatures that tell me anything. With Julian little... Totino Tedesco. So his his thing is sort of a double T that looks like a pie signal in a circle. It's Julian Totino Tedesco. Yeah. Listen, no one's going to beat Walt Simonson's dinosaur, which was visible as a dinosaur, but you could also read his name. So <laughs> everyone needs to stop trying. Very good. Very good issue. Uh, good relaunch. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Good stuff. We have we talked about United States versus Murder since the first issue, Murder Inc. versus I, the first I issue. I don't know if we did since the first issue. It's interesting because I I think we talked about it way back then. I read the when this came out. I went back and bought the trade for the first volume. Oh yeah. And I don't know I don't know how anyone's following this without having read that because it it does not fill you in on the backstory. I feel like I'm following. Like I don't know that I know least, the backstory, but I get the gist. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of important things that happened that first time. Okay. Volume. Yeah. Um, but I love this issue. I did too, and and I it's think whack. that I I've been even not having read that each issue. I remember the the first issue of this was like a flashback, and I was like, oh, we're gonna get an old timey gangster story, and then we skip ahead to this sort of semi future thing in the second issue, where it's been since then. But it's it's been like it's it's pretty good Bendis crime writing, even though it's a little sci fi y, but barely. Well. I, I mean, I don't know if it's sci-fi most, more, as much as it's just like futuristic crime. But yeah, I'm 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 substituting sci-fi with futuristic. But 
Yeah. I mean, it's also got like this wacky sensibility to it. I mean, there's a very so the whole story here is that the you know the mob owns like the East Coast and the 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 U.S. has been pushed to the West and the government and the five families run their territory and they're in war with the U.S. and they they killed the president in the previous issue. The 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 U.S. retaliated by blowing up, sending a drone in, blowing up a a building in the mob territory and ended up killing a lot of people and. And there's a great scene here where the, the, vice, the vice president who's now president is addressing the nation. And in the middle of it, he decides, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I got to go spend some time with my family. And then there's there's a great two-page sequence where uh, everyone in Congress is fighting because no one wants to be president, which is the exact opposite of how things are right now. You, you, yeah. could, you could change it, this dialogue to be, I want to be president. That would be That would be what's happening now in Congress, whereas here – no one wants to be president, and it's but it is what the the thinking reasonable person would react like, sure. especially because the idea is like they're fighting the mob and they know that they don't want their families to get killed or whatever. I, what I think is really interesting is that I don't think of Bendis as an overtly political writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's definitely got I'm saying some social messages in his in his books, um, but they're very hidden not indirect at least you know like like he's got a lot of female protagonists he definitely writes uh tries to put in characters of color as much as he can and um but it's 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 very subdued in a way it's not very much in your face and what i think is interesting is this is at its heart a bit of a political book it's it's you know you could see other writer like you know it's almost like a vertigo book in that way it's not so far off from something that like mark russell would do yeah. Uh, then you, you so you've got this book where the nature of government and the world has changed. Now you've got Scarlet at the same time. Very similar kind of thing. Yeah, more overtly political. Yeah, but I really don't think of him like that. But he's got two books going on right now where that's the deal. Yeah. And 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 what I can't tell out of it is what he really thinks. Mm-hmm. He's just presenting scenarios, which I think is a really interesting way to go to go about it and sort of create a discourse of like what the country is or what the government is. Um, and he may not even be being that that overt about it, but it, it shows that he's you know thinking about it at least in an abstract way. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that's really interesting because I, I don't tend to think of that as being a Bendis thing, but he's it definitely is now. Um, this is really fun. Michael Avon Oming, his yes. old powers. Uh, collaborator is the artist on it and I just like that it's kind of getting it gets bigger and in a way gets sillier but it doesn't lose its seriousness if yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense and so like the next volume is is the United States versus the Vatican hmm. or was the United States versus Murder Inc. versus the Vatican that's going to be a that's going to be a Royal Rumble wait the United States of Murder Inc. versus the Vatican it's very confusing these titles but oh yeah, the United it, States of Murder Inc. they take over I guess they win. Yeah. This is the but end of the first miniseries part of it. So they'll, this is in the second miniseries. Yeah. They'll, well, right. They'll regroup and come back, uh, I think, in the summer, they said. I mean, it's 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 weird but fun. It's not what we thought it was going to be when we saw the announcement. We didn't know about their first miniseries. Yeah. But I've really enjoyed it anyway. I think it's weird that that whole thing came out the first time and we never knew it. That is very weird. It's strange. I don't know what, how that happened. Who, is it Icon, I guess, printed it? It would have been icon, yeah. I think that I think that he lost a little steam after. Was it brilliant? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Because his he, he would he would have one issue come out and never happen another. That's issue. true. Yeah, this, so the schedule we just was. Stop looking at. Yep, his that's true. Runs. That's absolutely so. true. Um, old man Quill number one. Yeah, Ethan Ethan Sachs, writer of Old Man Hawkeye. Yeah, with artist Robert Gill. 
I wasn't going to look at this because, you Old know, man Quill. I don't really care about Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and, and you mentioned this to me previously uh, before, uh, offline and off the show, but old man as a genre is not, not something I want either. No, so no. I wasn't going to read this. Did you know that it was Ethan Sachs and that when you weren't going to read it? I did. Okay. I was on the fence. I was uh-huh. like, well, he's, he's very talented, but well, we've only seen him do one thing. Well, he was very talented doing it. It's true. Not, it's it's not true. Without talent, so right? I know, no, absolutely. Know. Um, so I wasn't. I was on the fence. He told me I should read it, so I read it, and I don't. I don't know that my being on the fence was not justified. Definitely. I hadn't read it when I told you to read it. I okay. will say that I I'm I'm with you on the old man. I don't want that as a genre. It's very very easy to overly flog. Uh, I think Old Man Hawkeye was a fluke. Uh, in that area, like it was like, we, oh, we enjoyed the original old man. Logan yeah, no, yes, absolutely. The original old man Logan, uh, by Mark Miller was yes. great. And Steve McNiven, it was, it was yes. wonderful. And I wish they'd left it at that, but like anything, it's like the Marvel zombies, you know, like right. Kirkman's Marvel zombies with Sean Phillips. That was forever ago, uh, was really <laughs> delightful. And then they just beat it to hell. Now I'm sure that in there, there were some of those Marvel zombie stories that were pretty good, but for the most part, it just got to be, you know, oh, zombies, great. Um, I feel like this is kind of the same thing. Um, and I, but I think that like the old man Hawkeye was, was really good, but also, you know, it was, I, I was tailor-made to like it. Like it has to it was, do with. It was a confluence of many yes. uh, Zen, Venn diagrams, you know, it was like Hawkeye fans yeah. and good creators, Chachado's art and mm-hmm. a lot of things really worked it wasn't so much the old man, although I did like the story. Yes, it was less about that than it was about the the character and the people making it, eh, and, just, and just tickling your 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 happy spots. Right. So here, yes, I mean, I, I still I still think Ethan Sachs is talented. Yes. I just think I don't necessarily care about these characters. I don't think Robert Gill is he's not as talented as Michael Giacchetto, so that didn't hurt. That didn't help the book, and. At first, I thought, okay, well, it's interesting because it's old man Quill in space, but then at the end, they crashed on Earth back into the old man world, so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and he looks like the Punisher on the cover. You notice that? And yeah, and also, like, they, you know, the same thing happened with Hawkeye. It's like, if this has been 50 years, these people are all, like, in their 80s, like, yeah. they're not written that or drawn that way. Well, he's got... They're written after- in, like, they're in their 50s. He's got half alien. Right, but even, you know. Yeah. I, 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 part of the problem here, (laughs) Rocket Raccoon actually looks like he should. Yeah. (laughs) He looks decrepit enough. Um, I guess. I don't know how, I don't know how Raccoon ages. Um, there were some storytelling issues I didn't quite get. And I went back, I actually found, uh, you know, like, okay, I missed a part that sort of made it make more sense. I, I, I feel like I've been lost on the Guardians for a while because I haven't been following it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know like why they had split up or if they had or any of this is referring to something else. Well, it's um, been fifty years; anything could happen. Yeah, but I mean, the, you know, the, it's like the the Hawkeye story referred to stories that I had read. Sure. So I don't know if there are references that I'm missing or anything like that. Um, I don't. Also, I've definitely lost the thread of who the Guardians are as characters as they exist in Marvel versus how they exist in the movies. Um, cause I hadn't read the Marvel stuff that I really like the, the Adnan landing stuff. Right. But since that was well before 10 years the, ago. This, no, I know. This since is like, well before this those, is the movie characters. Yes, I mean, it is. The, the lineup from the movie and they they talk like the movie characters. That's fine. It was, they're very popular movies, but yeah. way more popular than the books. But, sure. uh, 
yeah, I mean, I don't, and I don't really like those movies. So, you know, there's a lot. I, I do quite a bit, but I don't know that they necessarily translate to comics. Those aren't. That's not a mistake. It's not. It's not a bad thing. I, I think at the end of the day, what I think we're both saying though is that we had a little trouble finding something to hold on to to make us like say, "Oh, that was great." Yeah, I mean, if you look at what's interesting, if you look at the in, on the uh, page twenty four, the variant cover for the next issue by Rod Rice, that's Old Man Quill. Mm-hmm. It's an old man. White hair and a white beard. The right. guy in here is like is like, you know, fifty five. Also, he's apparently been drinking for decades. Although they did say he's been in cryo sleep. Oh, that's true. That's true. So your point. It's a little bit of a cheat. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, like it was. It seemed like it was good and it was well done. But I could see it. Out, I think you know. if you're a Guardians fan, you probably like it. Maybe, but I I think old man's overstaying. It's welcome for me. Yeah, I'd like to see Ethan Sachs on a other kind of book because yep. he's yes. he's very good. I have nothing to fault him here for. I just wasn't into. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's probably similar to. I hate to refer to Mark Russell again, but Mike, Mark Russell shows up. He does a book that was sort of a weird genre book, and is really really good. And so then people can only think to put him on that thing, that kind of thing again. Right. And it takes basically another publisher to come along and be like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And and you know he gets to do something else where you oh that's. You have this talent too. That's probably the same thing happening here. Because look at that segue into Red Sonia. Oh, didn't he? Wasn't it was an unintentional segue? Red Sonia number one from Dynamite. Mark Russell, Mirko Kolak on art. Dynamite was like, what do you want to do? Here's what we have. Just point to all the things you can do as many as you'd like. Go on. First of all, before we get to Mark Russell, I think Mirko Kolak's really good. Yes, he is. I mean, the art's the art's really good. I know uh, the which, name, and I think that I think he is good, but I, I couldn't tell you what he's done before. So between Lone Ranger with Bob Q and this, um, I mean, I think there's some there's some talented people working in Dynamite right now, which has not always been the case. On no, the you're right. Yeah, and uh, I thought this was really interesting because much like the Lone Ranger, um, the Mark Russell stuff, it was he- it was heavier here. Yes. In Little Ranger, but it wasn't as pervasive, I think. Although it opens pretty heavily, Mark Russell, but the middle part I thought wasn't so. Yeah, but all the stuff, like all the politics stuff, all the stuff with the the Emperor is is pretty close to just straight up satire. Oh, no, for sure. The opening, I'm just saying the middle when it cuts to uh, Red Sonja having to survive fighting those dudes, and Mm -hmm. that was all sort of a straight up Red Sonja. Yep, yep. And then when she. And then she goes back to their town, and she's made queen because they don't want to die. That's all pure Mark Russell. Yeah, and I thought it was, I thought it was actually a really good mix. Yes, um, that's what I'm saying. It was a good mix. Yeah, like so, her attitude. I, I I can't say I actually know a lot about this character, other than like my instinct is like, oh, it's a lady Conan, but I, I'm sure she's slightly different than that. But that's my experience. Yeah, she's yeah. Sm- smarter than Conan, or at least more. S- well, yeah, I mean, I don't have. Uh, I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that made the extent of my. When I was I've, I've read comics whenever. here and there, but yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that she is of Conan's world. So, like you know, by Krom is said, yet yeah, it's on. It's in Dynamite, whereas Conan this week came out from Marvel. So that was that was a little bit of licensing headache. Headache. I, I, is that yes. is that stuff public domain? I don't. I doubt she's public domain. I just made. I think you know through the through the very specific licensing right. thing, she's probably a different license than Conan. Well, they get to both use Chrome. Yeah, Chrome doesn't <laughs> give a damn anyway. Chrome does not care about your licensing problem. <laughs> 
so uh the to hell with you yeah so this is great so there's a there's an emperor who is expanding his empire and if you don't sign up you you get thrown in a sack full of rats and other things <laughs> sorry and then, there's a great joke later where like the envoy is like and something about a sack i don't know <laughs> so uh <laughs> We see that we see that in the beginning, uh, the king of the land gets thrown in the sack, even though he helps the emperor. And then, uh, so Red Sonia goes, you know, kills some dudes and tries to try to kill her. And then she gets, she goes back to her her hometown where she was from, uh, Miracania. and they're like, "Hey, you're the queen now, Hirakania," and uh, she's like, "I don't really want to be queen." Like, "No, no, no, you're queen," and because the, the emperor, the, that emperor is coming. And they don't want to deal with get thrown in a sack. And then there's the very funny, everyone runs away. <laughs> You're going now, bye. <laughs> that, was, that was like very Flintstone-y. The, uh, yeah, no, totally. And, and even the sack, which is just like, what's the penalty for, for you know, this kind of treason? And he's like, oh, you'd be thrown in a sack. Uh, hold on, I was almost there. Or you'd be, you'd be sealed in a sack with 20 scorpions, 10 starving rats, and a goat. And then thrown into the river of blood. And then he goes back and explains what all this, all the different animals. It's 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 a little bit of a Red Sonia punch him in the beef. There's a sack. <laughs> it was good, and the yeah. art was really good. I really like this. It's a, um, it's, a, it's a strong book. Amanda uh, Connor cover, which was nice to see. You don't see her a lot, and uh, yeah, I mean Mark Russell's got his thing going on Dynamite now, which is nice. It's yeah, it's fun. I mean, the, the, if you're gonna do a licensed book, make it real good. Yeah. And yeah. end, end of the day. So we've got an Uncanny X-Men book on here and, a, and a, an, inter- an interesting group of artists associated with it. Yeah, so this is the book I was talking about earlier, Uncanny X-Men number 11. This is the first issue after the just just interminable slog-inducing first 10 issues that were weekly um, that really just like I, I was into in the beginning and I got quickly got bored and overwhelmed by the, the whole thing. But uh, this is Matthew Rosenberg's first issue. Um Last week there was an annual I didn't read, which brought Scott Summers back into the world in, in full force, and he, now so here he's back, and uh, the X Men are all gone. They all at the end of that tenth issue, they all got zapped away somewhere, mm-hmm. and so everyone thinks they're dead. Um, first of all, the one of the fun things about digital is you start reading a book before you realize it's like sixty pages, and you don't you don't yep. know that. Um, so that's a fun little surprise. And that thing where you look up and go, what what. I've been reading this forever. Oh, oh, oh no! Um, so this is actually I, this was really good. It's uh, Salvador Larocca, who he's the one who's been doing Star Wars, right? Yeah, not not the best, but <laughs> um, I mean, he's got a purpose, and he's a style, and it works okay. Just not my favorite. Yeah. Um, the main story is Cyclops showing up and going, "Hey, uh, where's everybody?" and then deciding uh, since they're all dead, he's going to have to stand up for mutants himself because now there's a mutant cure. They're going to start vaccinating people from mutant, the mutant gene. And obviously that's bad. So, um, Madrox is still around. There's some random, you know, Callisto and she's in the sewers. There's some random people around and he's trying to marshal forces. Nobody wants to marshal with him. And so he's basically alone in the world fighting this prejudice. He gets in a scuffle with Captain America because Captain America is, is Captain America, Black Widow, and Winter Soldier running security for this uh, hate rally, anti-mutant rally? They're not running security for it. They're just there to make sure nothing breaks out. But Cyclops thinks they're they're with them. You know, all all kinds of regular stuff. And then Wolverine shows up at the end to join forces. So it's sort of the the last two people remaining are the two guys that sort of hate each other, which I think is an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. 
Wolverine shows up to save Cyclops from when he's attacked by all the anti-mutant forces. But then, when that story ends, then there's two short stories, one drawn by John McRae, who we love, what, that follows Wolverine's journey to get to that point where he saves Cyclops. And then at the end, there's another character called Dreamer, I think, who we, we, we follow her story, which I wasn't so interested in. But I really like the, the structure of it. I really like sort of the interweaving uh, pl- plots of these short stories. We, we had some scenes done from different perspectives, different artists interpreting different scenes. Um, so I really like that. I, like, I think Matthew Rosenberg's really talented, and I, really, I like the main story. So I don't know why this was a sh- not just number one of X-Men X- number one. I mean, the, the last the – last, I can't believe the last ten issues didn't drive away some readers because Who it was just those? every week. It was Matthew Rosenberg and it was Donny Cates and somebody else. Huh. And they were sort of – it was weekly. They were sort of switching off. Okay. Um, it, it, if, I, if I didn't know Rosenberg was taking over and if I didn't – you know, suspect he's got interesting ideas for the X Men. I probably would never read this issue because uh, until the first ten. But sure. I'm glad I did. And if you you can totally come on this issue as a number one and read it right. and not know what's going on, just that the X Men are gone. That's really all you need to know. Um, it was really really good. I liked it. I was surprised how much I liked it. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, Rosenberg's really good. Yes, he is. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and talk about how you can help support iFanboy. Every week we bring you this co- lovely content and. Every week, some people help us out to do that. We do appreciate it. The main way to do that is patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go donate, become a patron. You get all kinds of fun rewards for doing that. And you can help us reach our next stretch goal, which is adding a monthly non-comics media podcast to the rundown of all the shows we do. That's where me and Josh and some combination of the various people that come on our shows will talk about something non-comics related once a month, and it'll be fun. And if you want to hear that, go check it out at patreon.com. Also, We'll upload all of our – this is our bonus feature for that stretch goal. We'll upload all of our missing video shows and our minis to our YouTube channel. There was a discussion on the iFanboy Facebook page about the various crises. And I remember, oh, we did a show about all the crises. And I went to look for it on YouTube, and that was one of the ones that was missing. So if you uh, want to see those shows, I kind of want to see them. Um, you can help us out by getting the next stretch goal at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Also, t-shirt store, ifanboy.thirdlist.com. we got seven shirt designs currently. Ifanboy logo, Herm, Pick a Week podcast, ratings. If one is Electro, GDAT, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. We're, we've been discussing sort of obliquely, but things have been busy, the next design. But we'll, we'll definitely have another shirt this year for sure. I'm hoping we'll have two. But uh, Connor's an optimist. I'm an optimist at heart. I mean, <laughs> at least in comparison to me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the shirt right there. Yeah. Ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help out via PayPal directly. If you just want to throw a couple bucks our way and not become a patron or buy a shirt, totally understandable. You can do that there. Ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy the books from Books Below discussions as well as a general Amazon link. We thank everyone who keeps the show going by throwing their support behind us. We do appreciate it. You are not taken lightly. Did you know – that that uh, uh, Batman number sixty four wasn't going to be a Tom King issue. Well, we've been seeing the ads for Batman and the Flash, the price. So they uh-huh. the, they had the price of justice, I guess. They had that very successful button crossover right. a couple of years ago, after the events of DC Rebirth that never went anywhere. And uh, so I knew this was coming. I just didn't know it was coming in the middle of the Batman Who States for six six issues arc. Um. Interesting decision to do that. Don't know if it's the best one or not. I don't blame the creators. They have no cho- they have no say yeah. in this matter. Um, but 
very interesting. I mean, there's a little note at the beginning. This issue takes this takes place before the current issues, and will which will resume. In th- it's just like 66. oh god. Um, I knew that Joshua Williamson was co-writing it with Tom King. I did not know that Joshua Williamson was co- doing the scripting. Like well, could, Tom, Tom King's not even uh, listed here, but I know he nope. from talk from talk, his talk on Twitter that he said he's been co-plotting it. But this is this is purely Josh Williamson, and uh, yeah, I did not know that. Uh, okay, that was a that was, that was a long answer for that, but Sorry. I, I'm with you. No, 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 it's fine. There's a lot of factors. I, you know. I I I didn't I didn't like this really. I, I just yeah. I, I didn't know why. I, I was like, why am I reading this? Um, because it ties into Heroes in Crisis, that's why. I guess, but it just that seem that makes it seem even weirder. Yeah. Uh, then the other thing that that kept kept happening in this, and this is going to be a, a nuanced response. Um, the the dialogue of the Justice League throughout this thing was so weird and out of yeah. tone with everything that's happening. Yep. However, we just did our books blowed about the West Coast Avengers and everything, and I was like, this is like old comic book dialogue. Yeah. There was a lot of that, and it, it isn't that it was bad. It just wasn't – it was weird. You know what I think what's weird about this is that it shows you the problem with being rigidly formatted to the trade. And I'm a person who prefers the trade. But when every storyline is six issues long, uh-huh. you can't – it's harder to do to fit a thing like this into the middle of it. So if you're going six issues of Batman hallucinating uh-huh. so you can have a trade volume of it – but you need to have this two-issue crossover with the Flash, and it also needs to come out in the middle of Heroes in Crisis, which just seems to be coming out in time. Then it throws off the whole mm-hmm. the whole world gets thrown off. The axis gets tilted. Um, I didn't dislike the idea of this. No, and I you don't to, really I like just, Gotham Girl that much either. Yeah, but as a villain, at least you, at least that makes yes. sense. Yes, no, it does, and it, and it works that way. I I. I it didn't. This is a the, the Batman personality was seemed like it's really different than what we've yes. been seeing. Um, and this sort of, I, I, I liked the sort of conflict that he had with the Flash, but it did feel like it was from out of nowhere. But since it's literally in the middle of another arc, it seems like there should be some consistency with that. And also consistency with uh, what's happening in Heroes in Crisis, which is being written by the same guy who's writing Batman. It's very just weird choices. Like, it's yeah, not I mean, that it was fall- wrong. It was just no. the-, the fallout here is the is, you know, Batman's supposed to be doing the autopsy on Wally West, and he can't bring himself to cut open Wally West, which I totally understand. Maybe take off his uniform first. Um, but, uh, and so Flash and Batman are both dealing with the fallout of Wally being dead, and, and they, they're the investigators, they're the cops, you know, of the Justice League, so they want to figure it out. But, they're you know, it, it was weird. Also, so there's a flashback to, you know, a team-up between with Barry, Wally, Bruce, and Dick, Mm-hmm. In the old days, this and, is going to be a costume comment, isn't it? No, no. Well, no. We just, we all know that's a terrible Robin costume. But um, are they both driving the Batmobile? Uh, As they pull into the back, they're both holding a steering wheel. It would appear so. Yeah, it does appear. Robin's that on the driver's side. So, <laughs> and that's a weird little ramp thing that got going into the Batcave. What the fuck? So, is it like one of those like like uh, driver's ed cars that where they there's two steering wheels. And, is, maybe is that was happening. That teaches you how to superhero drive. Um, the, the, the thing about the art is I, I it's in, initially I was like, oh, I like Guillaume March. Yep. But the issue's a little inconsistent. Like there's yes, some pages is. that look really good and there's other pages. That, I mean, that, that turning the, the page you just mentioned, that's a weird page. It looks sort of unfinished on parts of it. It doesn't look like other pages, which have a lot more detail in line. Yeah. Sketch than that one is. And you'll see, yeah, you'll see bits where it's really like Jim Lee 
uh, you know, rendered, and then other pages where it's it's really not. It's very it's very strange. That's I don't know. Yeah, there's it, one. There it's actually there's a page here where uh where they're fighting the Amazos, and uh you know Superman is just a line drawing at that point. But then there's other pages where there's just hash marks all over the place. It's completely different than the page before it with with Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, it's almost like an inking thing there. But he, it's interesting that there is no inker listed. Right, so. I know. That's what's interesting about the the the, the change in the, oh, way the dialogue in that scene was awful. It was a weird issue. Yeah, I really didn't. Again, if it was a comic book that came out thirty years ago, I'd be like, it's totally fine, uh, and maybe that's what he was going for. But in contrast to, right, when you're in a shared universe, yeah. you know. But also, just because it's in the middle of a run of two runs that yeah. it doesn't fit in with is very strange. Um, you know, because you never got that on the old, like, as we, again, I would refer to the West Coast Avengers book, but, like, all of those issues were written by different people, but you would never be able to tell that. Right. You know? Well, the house style then was more of, uh, in a writing way yeah. than, than the yeah. art way. True. You didn't have a guy who wrote as, oh, you know what it was? What? Well, I was reading it, and I was, like, the Justice League scene, you know, Tom King's been very consistently writing Wonder Woman as Gal Gadot, mm-hmm. and he or she wasn't talking like that, and I was like, whoa. Uh-huh. When did he? What happened? Why did he stop? He writes her a different way, and then that's mm-hmm. when I realized he wasn't writing it because they don't tell you the credits till the very last page. Right, I saw it on the cover. I didn't look. I just, uh, I it's unusual that I did. Uh, did you read Gunhawks number one? I did. Yeah, oh, I think we might need to have a Western corner, <laughs> cowboy well, corner. So I don't much know. like a few was it last week or the week before? Yeah, the when Marvel did a, tr- a tribute issue to their war comics. This is their tribute issue to their Western comics. Mm-hmm. And Gunhawks, number one, written by the Laphams, David and Maria. And what you might know, Pizzari. what you, by the way, all, all Westerns should be drawn by Italians, <laughs> period. End of story. Spaghetti Western comics. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and here's the, here's the thing. I don't, neither you or I are really big into David Lapham or, or I don't know if she co-writes all that uh, creator owned stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, occasionally when he finds his way to a, uh, a, a, a Marvel DC book, he does a pretty good story. Yeah. And I think that was the case here. Just yeah, to, no, this was a fun short story about a, a sheriff in town who's got a, a secret from his past that comes back to haunt him and the town. And I liked it. And he has to make a decision, and, and he does. And it's, you know, it's sort of a quick morality tale, and we're in and out, like old comics. Yeah, it was nice. I it really, was nice. It was, it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Italian artists, so you got that going on. Uh, you know, that worked. Just, uh, you know, spaghetti western kind of stuff. It Literally spaghetti western. Um yeah, it's just a fun little issue, and if if you like the kind of Western comics that we like, you should you should check it out. It was over yeah, really a, quick. I was like, "That's oh, that's it. All right, all right cool." Because that's what old Western comics used to feel like, really. <laughs> but stuff. I mean, it, it it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel like I was missing any information. Nope. It was the work of a pro. Lapham's been writing comics for a long time. He knows, you know, some people can write those short stories, and some people can't. David and Maria, good job. Uh, Green Arrow 49, I wanted to mention it's the final issue of the Count Vertigo arc, and I think this has been the best arc of Green Arrow since forever. Uh, I don't know who these writers, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, are. I should probably look it up, but I don't know. I've never heard them before. But they're I, very when good. I see two names that I don't know, I just assume they're showrunners of some kind. Yeah, I, I, I assume that as well. Javier Fernandez on art, who was one of my favorite new artists the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And since since Count Vertigo... Uh, they really let him sort of go nuts with perspective and and an unusual, you know, it's sort of like inception with the way that the, the city sort of folds in on itself because Vertigo is messing with reality. And it's also 
it worked in a way that Batman didn't in that it's dealing with the aftermath of Heroes in Crisis because Oliver's still sort of reeling from Roy being dead. And the whole time, Count Vertigo is like, I want to talk to Roy Harper. Mm-hmm. And because not, not Red Arrow or Arsenal, whoever, but the, Roy Harper, because he knew him as an, a, in his civilian identity. And, and so in the middle of the fight, it's almost very Flash like, you, you know, Green Arrow's like, he's dead. And so they stop fighting and they, start, they just talk about it like the Flash would do with his rogues. Even though they're, you know, they're mortal enemies. He's like, you know, how did you know him? And it was a very interesting and sort of sad issue. But really, really well written and well drawn. Well, that's so, good stuff. That's if you're want. a Green Arrow fan, check out the latest arc of, of, the, of the series. Well, all right. I will, I will, sure, that's fine. War Corner! War Corner! This is, this is a weird War Corner. Jam-packed War Corner. Well, it's a weird one, like... I realized that there was a bunch of books that necessarily war books, but took place in and around war. So we decided to to make it to War Corner, which I think is fun. So just real quick, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing apparently are involved with something called Champions of the Earth, a fully produced original actual play tabletop adventure podcast. Hmm. So they're hiring podcasters now, are they? Yeah. Not us, though. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to write, Colin. No. So... I assume you didn't you didn't finish Archie. For- I, I I I missed like the second one, and then I I couldn't find my way to catch back up. It's, yeah, it, I'm gonna I, ruin it for you because there's no way to talk fine. about it's the fine. issue that. It's fine. So the cover is is Jughead and Betty and Veronica standing over a grave. We can't see whose grave it is, and when we see a a view of Archie in the, in the sky with his helmet on. So in the last issue, issue four, Archie and Reggie who were together at boot camp and they are together are you know put in the same division platoon. Uh, they're sent to Af- North Africa, where they they invade North Africa, but the the Vichy French army, who they were going to fight, has already given up. So there's no fighting. Then they get sent further into Africa, and they run into the the German uh, tanks, and there's a giant explosion. Art Reggie pushes Archie out of the way, and that's the that's the cliffhanger. So here, we open at a funeral, and it's revealed that Reggie's dead. Reggie died in the explosion, uh, and so they're you know our, Veronica and Betty are putting flowers on his grave. And they're mourning his loss, and then they're walking through the cemetery, and they come across a, a giant funeral, and there's a giant fucking uh, tombstone for Archie. And I was reading this book on my couch in my office at work at lunchtime. I was laying down on that reading, and I literally went, whoa, and sat up. <laughs> but they kill off Archie. Um, and then it's revealed he's not really dead, but... I, I was very uh, even in Archie comics that are sort of just alternate universe ones. You still can't let him go. Well, the, the whole idea was that his loss sort of destroyed the town. Like the the, the movie theater closed, the sure. pops gone, the toy store closed. Everybody's depressed. Archie, Mister Andrews is yelling at his wife, yelling at Betty. Jughead's all mad at Betty. Uh, Veronica's going to leave town. Like the whole his his death sort of unmoors the town, and find out that uh, in the explosion he got kind of lost, like Don Draper and. And so he got saved by some some uh, North African natives who hid him from the Nazis, and then he escaped and came back home. But they everybody thought he was dead. So as Betty's on the at the train station, ready to leave town for good, because there's nothing left for her in town, uh, Archie steps off the train in his you know fatigues, and and sort of everything is righted in town. You know, she he decides to stay with Betty, and and he and Jughead make up, and the stuff reopens, and people are happier, and it's sort of about him being the the totem for the town. But it was. Uh, it was shocking. Okay. It was uh, this was a good miniseries. Yeah, I I I you said nothing but that. So yeah. Yes, yeah, good. I like that they're playing around with the conventions of the characters. That's fun. 
Um, I, I put James Bond Origin number five in the uh, in the blast section, but when I realized that we had a longer war corner, the reason I liked it because it was a World War Two uh, submarine story. Mm-hmm. It was like straight up like like uh, they're in a submarine and they were tr- there was repairs they need to make, so they need to fake that they had been hit and sunk so that the Germans would go somewhere else. Uh, it works. They find themselves on an island um, that they think is deserted where they can do their repairs. Nobody's happy. And they come upon a, a, a crew uh, with a German Stuka bomber. Um, they kill those people and they steal the German bomber uh, to uh, sneak up on the Germans who will be expecting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's combat and, and hijinks and, and that ensues. Uh, written by Jeff Parker. Really great. I, I kind of forgot it was him because it's just such a good sort of war yarn, really. Um, yeah. Adventure-y. Uh, and, of course, Bob Q, who is apparently very fast at drawing well. Modern day Jack Kirby. We've I guess so. Years. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to assume that he did one of them. And then did the other one, you know. Well, maybe. He, yeah, maybe he's ambidextrous and he draws them both at the same time on two different <clears throat> That tables. would be impressive, not even just for the physical, but the mental uh, dexterity that would require. Right. Um, really, I've really enjoyed the series I, all the way through. Uh, you know, I don't even know if it's building towards a thing or not, but it doesn't really matter because each issue seems to be basically an adventure. Uh, but there is a cliffhanger at the end of each of them, too, which is sort of classic comic books. Very fun. Yeah. So die number three from Image Comics, Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hands. Um I, you know, I've been, I struggled a bit with the first two, but I really liked this issue. Mm-hmm. This was my favorite one. And so the idea here is so the, the, all these people are, have been sucked back into this game very much like Jumanji and mm-hmm. they're, they're in their role playing game characters. And so uh, here they enter a world that is J.R. Tolkien meets World War One. Mm-hmm. So all these hobbits are in the trenches. And uh, they they think they think the girl is an elf, and, and they flash back to Hobbiton, and obviously they're not called Hobbiton, not called Hobbiton, but that's what it is. And then uh, and then Tolkien himself shows up, although it's a really poor likeness of Tolkien. I didn't follow. I didn't. I saw, I saw the Hobbits, but I didn't follow. That was Tolkien. Yeah, that's. What, I mean, it was supposed to be Tolkien. And I looked him. Up, I mean, I I know what he looks like, but I looked him up just to make sure I wasn't crazy, and it's not a good likeness of him. But uh, then he starts talking to the main character about how this is his world, and you know she she needs his help, and that's when. The uh, the eagle shows up to help, like the, the eagle that would always show up in the to save the day and Lord of the Rings shows up and, yeah. um, I just really liked it. I thought the I thought the art really this story really played to the strengths of Stephanie Hans. I think I still think she has some character work that needs to be done. That's better, but um, some really great vistas and and dragons and creatures and flaming swords. And I, I really like this issue. Well, this is the part where we part ways. <laughs> Because uh, I've I have been with this, and I think the last time I was like, "Wow, Kieran Gillen's really come a long way." And what I was reeling was the problem was historically uh, he would do something that was interesting, and then within an issue or two, I would have no idea what he was talking about, and I really lost the thread here. And I thought we were supposed to be focusing on one kind of story, and now what we've got is a whole different set of allegories. Well, that- if you read the essay, I know, and and I, I have a. Not, comment- I'm not saying you have to read the essay. Yep. I'm just telling you what's coming. His whole idea is that much like a twenty-sided die, yeah, there, there, there are different sides to this realm, and I that get he, that that he will use to explore various things. And this is his whole issue, working out his uh, British angst about Tolkien. And that's fine, but I feel like it was, if nothing else, it was too early. I don't know who the characters are yet. I don't yeah, know no, what I, I, yeah, these things have impact on anything. And I was. It, 
it was too early to do an experimental. I, I guess if that's what it is for me, it was like mm-hmm. it lost me completely. I didn't like that I was I was looking at uh, at movie Frodo. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this? Like it it was too far afield when he has not established enough of a firm base on it. And then further comment is. I enjoy reading essays at the end of books and they ha- when I have a chance to, and they have contributed to my enjoyment of books, but we're starting to rely on them way too much. I'm going to do some weird shit in the issue, but don't worry, I'll explain it with 1,200 words of text at the end, and that's not okay. Yeah, and I mean, I, um, I, what I enjoyed about it was almost secondary to the main characters, although I did like, you know, yeah. uh, I, I don't know their names. I, don't, I mean, I, the one guy who's, who's a, the sad knight showed up yeah. and saved the day. I like that part, but I don't know anything about the characters. I don't know about their, their needs, wants, motivations, fears. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't like the first two issues that much, so this could go very exclusively south. I just predict, I, it could be that, you know, World War One's tickled the tie-in. Tickled your bits. Seen, Having seen the documentary, and maybe it's just that that particular issue worked for me. I don't know what will happen next, but I'm. This is what happened with me on Phonogram. It's what happened with me on their other book that uh, Wicked and Divine. Yeah, that I really want to like, but it hit a certain point. Was like I don't know what this is about. I don't know what they're like. I know it's integral that they're referring to things, but without Mm -hmm. knowing what those were, I felt completely lost, and that's what happened here. Like I knew it was uh, you know Tolkien. I got that. I knew it was World War One. I know how those are related. Right. But it just felt like it, that left turn happened way too early. Anyway. I agree. I, I can see that totally. Okay. All right. Those books we're going to talk about, there's lots of books we could have also talked about, but we didn't have time for them. If you go to ifanboy.com, you'll find a post so you can talk about them. In the meantime, at patreon.com slash ifanboy, the patrons, every patron who's who's involved can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week, the selection was The Girl in the Bay, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, Burger Books. This is one of Karen Burger's. Uh, imprint books written by J.M.D. Matias, art by Corin Howell, colors by James Devlin, and uh, we've read a couple of the Burger books. One of them we liked, but I think we fell off of what was that one? The, with, the, um, the David Aja. You're right. Because it was weird. It looked beautiful, but I don't know what it was. I don't think I That's, meant to fall off of it. I just don't think I recognized it was coming out again. Like I just didn't see it. I think I read a couple of those issues. Anyway, the story of, of the girl in the bay is there's a wom- woman whose name is Catherine. She's Italian. She's from Brooklyn. Like American Italian. Yeah, 1969 Brooklyn. And uh, this is like the, the brief period between the Summer of Love and the Manson murders before everything comes crashing down in the 60s. And uh, Altamont. And she goes out on the town one night and meets a handsome hippie at a bar who then t- stabs her and throws her into the bay. And then she, she comes out of the bay and it's present day. And, uh, that's the main, that's pretty much the story. And so this is a four issue miniseries. Um, I like the idea of sort of the time travel aspect of she goes in the water and comes out and it's two, it's 2019. Mm-hmm. Or eighteen, I can't tell. It's nineteen. Nineteen. Um, the the mystical mumbo jumbo around it, not really my thing. Yeah, I, I kind of got. I, this is a weird comic. It is a weird. I, comic. I really, I I'm I'm right now. I'm having a hard time knowing what to make of it. It feels like it is of several different times. I think the art was not really up to snuff of what I would no. want now. Um, 
not bad, but not. No, it just it was hard to place. Like there, I, I don't know the fact that it was Jam Dimiteus, and and he's got a lot of experience writing it. But I, I can't think of like a story he's done, with the exception of those classic, you know, thirty five year old JLI comics, mm-hmm. that I've been like, oh man, this guy has this stuff. Now obviously he's been around a long time, he's still working on stuff. He's intelligent. He said, this wasn't badly written. It was an interesting premise and everything. But I, I still I don't know what to make of it. I didn't. It was like everything was very explained and upfront in your face at the beginning. They set it up, and I guess that was sort of doing the hard work right away. But it was telling and not showing a lot. And then all of a sudden, this this man kills her out of nowhere, which isn't necessarily unusual thing that happens. No, but, but it was weird. Like it, it was. I mean, it was surprising, which I guess was supposed to be the point. But it just seemed like there was no. I don't know. We don't know enough. That's that's one of the things. So then, she, to me, it was strange that she. So the gap between 1969 and 2019 is a very large gap. Yeah, and I don't think and of so, it that way, but it is. And so she, she comes back out of the water, somehow in walking home, doesn't realize things are vastly different. <laughs> Look and at these then, cars. Um, you know, comes back and finds her her apartment empty because the old family moved out. They weren't even her old family, and then. Um, she finds her old neighbor who was a, like a hot young teacher at the time and now is an old woman and finds out it's 2019 and then goes to find her family and gets on a train to like Long Island. I'm like, how is she doing any of this? Yes. I thought, how'd she she, pay for that? How is she not freaking out? And how, like, there's a lot of things that should be going on that just like, you know, cut to her sitting on the Amtrak. But the thing that really got me. The guy used on her iPad next to her. She, she should. There should have been a lot more going on here in the story. Well, I mean, and maybe that's not the story they wanted to tell. And I understand those choices. I don't necessarily agree with it. But then the thing is, she gets to her house, and the person she meets is not her sister, but her. But then they start mm-hmm. referring to her the the person who disappeared as her sister. And I went back to check because yeah. it, the sister's name was Lisbeth. She was on the couch at the beginning, and she was yeah. being weirded out by her behavior. But then when we talk about it at the end, that was the character who disappeared. And I was very confused by that. That did not make sense to me. Well, I mean, uh, uh, she could have come out to some altered dimension. I don't. The point is, like, yeah, uh, I just it wasn't compelling enough for me to really ultimately care about those answers. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, there needed to be something else in this issue. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what. And, and maybe the next one will, you know, we, we get this a lot with first issues now is that, you know, they, they, they tease you, um, but sometimes they don't tease you with enough. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that there's a, there's an element of something compelling that isn't there. And it's not like it was bad. I didn't read it like, oh, this is garbage, but it's missing something. I mean, I think if I was handed this collection mm-hmm. and the, and read the whole four parts together and I realize that's, you know, not necessarily fair or how comics are written, but like, or they are written that way, but well, that's the job I, of the first issue. I might be more interested to, 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 to keep reading, but at this point, I don't know that I am. Interestingly enough, according to the essay in the back, uh, Karen Berger and James D. Matias grew up together in Brooklyn. Yeah. I, I was, I mean, like, I was happy that she brought Clem Robbins along. I was like, oh, good, nice vertigo letter from the past. That's at least I mean, the is going on there. I, I, I like James D. Matias, obviously. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, the caliber of creators that she has so far shown on these new burger books on the, for the most part, other than David Aja has not been 
the highest. You're right. And and like the the like I want to be Vertigo, Doesn't matter how the editor is, the, crea- the creative team has to Vertigo be. set the standard for sort of design, and this book looks like uh, like an Aspen book. Mm-hmm. And, and like the cover is not very not remarkable. Yeah. And it's I'm, too bad. Yeah. I, I, Kramberg is a legitimate legend in the comics yeah. world. But, you know. She's probably, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say she's probably hamstrung by resources to a certain extent. And also, you know, you're trying to figure out what is. Her sensibilities were timed in such a way that she was able to tap into a sort of zeitgeist at that time and might not be the same anymore. The world's changed a heck of a lot since then. I'm We're dealing with that every week when we read, read comics. Yeah. Um, so so let's do ratings. Ratings. Girl in the Bay, number one out of five. Ratings. Two and a half. 2.5. Oh, there we go. Hey. Hey, consensus. Uh, sticking with it. Probably not. I would say probably not, unless it comes out in like a weird week with nothing else out. Yeah. But that seems unlikely these days. So if there you we, go. If we, if we don't read it and you out there read it and you are like, you're blowing it, I want to know that. Yeah. Then I know. will read it. We certainly have that capability. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash fanway. That's where you can go and you can vote to add a book to the rundown. You can also go and give at the $5 or higher level. And as your reward, in, in addition to voting on Patreon picks and doing the hangouts and all that stuff, is you get a superpower on the show live to tape. Yeah. Let's thank Chris Conine. Chris Conine doesn't have a regular heart. He has a scaled down twin turbo V10 engine. How does in that place work? of his heart. You know, it defies science. Uh, he does have an exhaust. He's got a fuel up. Yes. <laughs> Is it exhaust pipe? If he gets loud, like if he tail? gets excited, it gets quite loud. Uh, buddy puts down a lot of horsepower and torque. How does he sit? It's just it's heart sized. It's in the same area. No, I mean the the, the exhaust pipe. It goes at the uh, upper upper left shoulder. Upper le- well, oh. it's a dual exhaust, so it comes. <laughs> so yeah. wait and you, he what, has to make sure that benefit? nobody stuffs little mini bananas in them, like Axel Foley. Sure. So what is the benefit to it? Because he run really fast, or I mean, it sounds awesome. <laughs> You're putting down the ponies, you know. All right, so he's uh... instead of a heart, he has a scaled down twin turbo V10 engine. As long as he keeps it maintained, it should run forever. It should have a USB port that they can plug in diagnostics in case he's throwing a code. And does that mean is he pumping diesel fuel through his veins instead of blood? No, or no, not V10. No, 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 no. Listen. Science can't explain everything, Connor. Sure. Sometimes they're mysteries. Yeah. And I think, I think that really, in Chris's case, it's, there's a lot of mystery involved. Sure. But, but you hear him coming. The whole neighborhood hears him coming. Uh-huh. Then that turbo kicks in. You get that high-pitched whine on top of it as an overtone. It's pretty sweet. Ark Wang has mirror hands. Uh, more specifically? So his the palms of his hands... Uh, are shiny mirrors? Are they they're never, they're never scuffed. They're never okay. smudged. It's not glass that'll break. No, but he can reflect light and, and you know, he, sunlight. He, he can, can make. He can. He can. He can quickly blind his enemies. Yeah, or just people <laughs> annoying yeah. him. Also, he can check out his hair all the time very easily. Well, you know, you're gonna want that. Yeah, just in case. Mirror hands. If you live in a windy area, for example. Yeah, sure. 
Uh, <laughs> wait, I got, are these are are these backwards? They are back. They are backwards. I started. Uh, uh, Austin Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows what everything costs. Like the actual cost of a thing, he knows the markup. He knows what it's going. He knows what the what the ingredients cost. No one's getting getting over. He knows if somebody's getting a lower price on a thing than he is. He knows all the background economics of all the transaction that he has. I think he's got a friend who has the same power, but we're, that's fine. Oh, I feel like he's done this before, but that's okay. I'm not positive. But I think you have. Really, I thought that's it was a fine. New one. That's fine. I can. I that's can. Fine. Give, I, I can. I have a backup. I'm not positive. Don't take my word for it. All right. Tell you what, if it, if it, I'll tell you what, somebody's going to tell me if I've done this before. If that is the case, on the next show, I will come up with a substitute power for him. That's a, that's wow, a, I, you I know, we have, we've given out many duplicate powers. I don't know if you start I, that, start that trend. I, you know what? I, I don't, I don't, it's, I can't remember anymore. We've done hundreds. In the 400 plus of these, you know, there's going to be some dupes. Yep. But I will. If I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to do it every time, but in this one, I, I, I thought I had an original one. So, okay. Jared, Jared Hiller, uh, ping pong balls. Ping pong balls. Go ping on. Balls. He manifests ping pong balls. Much like gold balls. I was going to say. And he doesn't shoot out giant gold balls. He shoots out lots of ping pong balls. Yeah. Do they stick around like any other sort of plastic ball would? No, because... Um, that's bad for the environment. Josh. Sure. Uh, so what they do is they will disappear much like Spider-Man's webbing mm-hmm. after 24 hours. Hmm. Ping pong. So balls. like theoretically he's being chased down a yes. linoleum hallway <laughs> <laughs> with no doors, right? And clothes that you can't escape from like spy hunter and his oil slick. Mm-hmm. Jared Hiller can just start unloading ping pong balls, and suddenly the guys chasing them are in this, you know, slapstick comedy behind him. God, I love that game. I never lasted more than eight seconds. But I would play that right now if, if that. Oh, uh, sure. It had that emulator. cool, that cool steering wheel on the on the arcade game. <laughs> That's where I played it after the movies or before the movies. Here's here's what I know about Jared Hiller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he has a, a little company where he builds guitar pedals called Low Res. I've got a couple really? of them. They're really good. If you're into that kind of thing, you should check that out. This Jared Hiller. Yes, this actual Jared Hiller. That's a real superpower. Well, he could, you know, if was if he was bored, mm-hmm. I could imagine him popping out a single ping pong ball and then whacking it with a guitar. Sure, you could see that. There's you could do of, it. There's, 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 there's sonic possibilities in that if it's you know plugged into the right effect and it's loud enough. True. Enough. Some sound you've never heard before. And you know why he got that plug? Nice guy. That's how. There you go. Patreon.com slash fanboy. That's where Jared, Austin, Ark, and Chris all went to sign up to support the show. We thank all of you for doing so. And do we have time for an email? Let's do very quick answers on this next one. I, I It was held over from last week when sure. we didn't answer it. Wes A. from Friedley, Minnesota, who I think at the time of writing was in the middle of freezing to death in the polar vortex. Like some readers, I miss the heyday of Vertigo comics. This is very timely. In the 2000s, there were so many great monthly books under the Vertigo banner. At this point, the imprint puts out a great many here and there, but that is it. It feels like the glory days are long gone. What do you think was the last great monthly Vertigo book? Do you think the imprint has any chance of reaching its former critical glory? 
Would you no. like to begin? Yeah, no, that's the answer. No, it does not. Different world. Uh, it's very likely that no the economics any- and comics are different. The creators are different. Karen Berger's gone. It's as is Shelley Bond, gone. as is yeah. uh, um, every Will Dennis. You know, the people who who made it great. Um, and then just the, yes, the econo- the economics are totally different. You're not going to get somebody to fund a a low to mid selling sixty five issue arc. But also. Vertigo was a place where you would go and you had ownership of your book. It just that you published it. Well, you had you had most ownership of the right. book. It changed over the years. The, yeah. the, the, the ownership stake tilted into DC's much favor much more well, than in the heyday. And now those books that would go to Vertigo are image. And that's and the but the difference is there, you know, like you were getting paid right to work on it as if you were working on any other book. Uh, right. but you still retained ownership. Uh, but you, I assume you had to le- maintain a level of sales that I don't think would be possible in today's market. So right. the economics don't work out for that anymore. So that being said, um, what what do you think the last great Vertigo series might have been? And I, and I was looking some of these up, trying to find. Well, it's easy. Go ahead. An easy answer. Scalped. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I came up with. Uh, I I could I could maybe put DMZ alongside it. Same sort of era. Yeah, but DMZ ended before Scalped. I'm just saying if you're talking oh, about the last one. Yeah, the, I mean, basically part of the – that was the last wave. That was the last era of it, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Hellblazer sort of died out around that time too. That was, you know, 300 issues, so that's not really – but yeah, Scalped, it's kind of the last one. Uh, that's the last one. But, you know, that era, you're talking about the early 2000s, you know, you had DMZ and you had Hellblazer was still a vertical book. And there was a lot of interesting things, I think uh, – why when did we heard of why the last man end? There was a lot. That was that, that early two thousands. It was still that that early, early to mid two thousands. You still you still had a bunch of things coming. You know, go, and then slowly they all went away, and they were not replaced by anything. Hundred bullets. Uh, you know, fables ended in two thousand fifteen ish. Why the last man ended in two thousand eight. Uh, DMZ ended in two thousand eleven. Scalped twenty twelve. Northlanders 2012. Seems like 2012 is about the point that it all went to the ending of it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, American Carnage right now is great. So it far. is. We're but only it's, three it's issues a, in, and we yeah. don't know how long it's going to go. We don't, I don't, but uh, right now, I, I can say that Vertigo has a really great book, but it doesn't feel like, you know, that's, ever, that's sort of the exception to the rule. If you recall, they announced like nine mm-hmm. books, of which American Carnage was one of them, and none of them. I mean, we read a couple, didn't like them. I don't. I, no one talks about. I the think other some ones. have even been canceled. Yeah. So, um, I mean, American Vampire was probably the last high-profile one, but that fell off. Uh, basically, yeah. Snyder got a lot of other work and and didn't got prominent writing Batman. Yeah, and didn't 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 keep up with it. Well, same thing probably with you know Raphael Albuquerque. He he was like, I I could do this book, but they want me to do all these other things, and they just decided to you know we'll put it on the shelf for a while but yeah. because that didn't really finish it's you know I, I wouldn't think i'd call it one of the great series it had potential it was it was i think it was great while i was going but i don't think you know it didn't you know fables fables should have ended at i think 75 and then right. just kept going for a really long time money machine yeah for them and for the creators um yeah i mean it just the, the era ended you're right and ended 2012 despite American Carnage being a good book. Yeah, no, and there's been, you know, but when you say Vertigo, like great Vertigo series, there are mini series and there are great, but I really do think of the, you know, 50, 70 issue sort of Lucifer Preacher, Scalped, Transmetropolitan. Why the, why the Last Man. Why yeah. the Last Man. Yeah. That was sort of the thing, right? You were, 
the high profile vertical book would go about ten trades. It was a comic. It was a comic book novel. Yeah, or or like a like a TV series and tell a story in a way that a regular monthly book couldn't do yeah. at the time, at least. And that and happens. That way. And that happens at Image now, but that kind of sticking power is a lot harder in the Image model. Yeah, I mean, you know, Southern Bastards disappeared. Southern Bastards you know? disappeared. All of the great Red Rucka books, you know, may not have disappeared, but they they fell off. Like it's the the. I mean, it's it's a it's back. It's a back-paid economic model. But, uh, Wicked and Divine is probably actually really like a, a good example of that being successful Yeah. now, but it, that's an outlier. Right. Uh, so, it's, I mean, I know that as a, as a rule, most people in reading comics live in nostalgia health. We certainly do. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would caution – even Asher City was a vertigo back at the, at the end there, but mm-hmm. even that doesn't – I wouldn't even call that really a vertigo book. No, it, just, it just, of, it just went from wherever it would take it. It just landed um, there. It, it's never coming back. It's just, it's just not. No, it's just not. Those but days. there's tons of there's tons of books to read from that the you know that era from the tons tons of good from the, books from the heyday to, to, to 2012. There's tons of books. Three hundred issues of very good you know Hellblazer. Most of it's better than a lot of what you read. You know, Sandman Preacher remains my favorite series of all time you know there's you loved lucifer and lucifer DMZ was, great. was great and scout was great yep. and why last man was great and there's a lot of great books you can go i mean there's there's, there's literally you could stack them taller than me yeah of them now the number of trades you can go read from that era of vertigo that was terrific i mean i could do that out of the shelf that i'm looking at right now and honestly you could make the case that vertigo ended up changing the industry as much as anything because now everything is written for the trade, and things are more mature, and mm-hmm. um, it's the the way of storytelling is more Vertigo esque. Those all those Vertigo editors went around to to the in, in different places in the industry. That's, Axel that's a really Lanza good was point. a Vertigo editor who and, ran Marvel for a long time. And right. Will Dennis was very influential. So, in many ways, in many subtle ways, Vertigo sort of shaped the industry. And then even since then, there's been a backlash against that. Right and now, we're seeing books sort of go the other way. The sort of the Jeff Johnsification. Of comics, I think was a, almost a reaction to that. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for writing in, Wes. Contact that.com. It's where you can write in if you have a question and want to get in the show. Thanks for writing in. Reign of the Superman was a podcast that uh, Paul and Ryan and I did. It came out this week. It's right behind this show in the feed if you want to hear us talk about uh, the latest DC Universe animated film. That's where you can find it. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And we'll have another one in. Um, April, I believe, is the next film. So yeah. look for that. Feels like I've talked about the Brian Edward Hill talks below a bunch of times, but it really wasn't even two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, it's still there in the feed. You should check it out. Uh, I, I'm proud of all the talks bloats, and I'm proud of this one. Everyone, uh, every time I do one, I'm like, well, that was a really good one. But I, I just really like doing those. Um, there will be a new one this month. Uh, um, it, it just needs to be scheduled in the very near future, and then uh, we'll have it to you. And as soon as I can tell you about it, I will. And uh, also back there in a feed somewhere, you can find the books blowed in which Josh and I talked about the uh, Avengers West Coast Epic Collection, How the West Was Won. We mentioned that several times in this episode. It's very, it's sticking in our minds. So it, it was, it's, I think it's a turning point for the show. <laughs> it, it was a great conversation, I thought. And uh, if you want to hear it, it's back there. We haven't decided on the next books blowed yet. There's a couple of books we're discussing for the, for, was it March? Will be yep. the next books blowed. But, um, Oh, it'll be coming at you when we know what it is. And it might be in that same vein of old comics because we're really enjoying reading and talking about them. But we'll see. So do you like to support the show 
and then also get a bonus for it while at the same time do you want to listen to three men uh two of whom know about movies and one of them who is just following along as best he can that one's me <laughs> then you should sign up for patreon as connor discussed earlier ifanboy.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash ifanboy i think they both work nope support ifanboy.com slash support and then patreon.com slash ifanboy and on february 17th at 9 p.m eastern uh we're doing our our next hangout uh and there the teaser here is it's the oscar preview edition we're going to be talking about the Academy Award nominated films and, and, and some predictions. All of mine will be I think wrong. we'll be doing our picks. I think we'll be doing that. Okay. For our, our annual fanboy Oscar pool. Um, that's, like a, that's, like a, that's like a monthly show you get. It's an hour long. It's as long as a show. It's like it's a special monthly episode you get just for being a patron. So it's a fun it show. It's, it's, much more, uh, it's, it's much less rigid. As rigid as this show is, it is the exact opposite. Yeah. There's always Early. a conversation like, what are we going to talk about? And I'm always like, mm, whatever, <laughs> you know, and that's pretty much what the show turns into. But it, it, it's, uh, it's it's always fun. Yep. And head over to ifanboy.com. That's where you can find uh, this show, our Booksplodes, our Talksplodes, our special edition shows. All the shows we do are over there at ifanboy.com. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter. And individually, we are at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. We are both mixing up all of the cues, but it's it's smooth and no one would ever know that. We're doing the wrong right. parts, but I like it. It makes me feel alive. <laughs> if you like this coast. show, write a review uh, or uh, or leave a star rating on iTunes or do both. I really make an effort, since we've been saying this, so to do that for shows I really like. Um, I, just and, left, I just left a star rating for the David Tennant podcast. Oh, my God. It's delightful. It's delightful. I like there's that. a bit I where some that review that says this is delightful. There's a there's a bit where like somebody will say something and he goes, "Did you?" And it's <laughs> it's very like he is like an old grandma. Oh, he's I want him to be my friend or uncle he's, or something. He is like the best grandma ever. It's yeah. great. Listen so just like we just told you about that podcast with famous people who don't need our help, um, <laughs> although they do, it, it helps them because you might one of you know one of the many thousands of you might go oh, maybe I'll check that out, boost up their numbers. Um, don't don't assume. I won't. I won't. Well, probably none of you will check, but we both really enjoy. No, what it. I mean is, don't assume they don't need your help. Go get That's them true. Story. That's absolutely. This is the point I was making. Um, we do. We will take your help any anytime. So tell people about it. Uh, post about things you like. Talk about things you like. Uh, not necessarily just us, but you know, I'm not going to tell Hold you not on. to. You buried the lead. What's that? Why is star ratings and reviews so important now? They help. They. I did because something because our old nemeses have returned. Oh my god, I forgot. So the pretenders to the throne, the not quite good enough around comics have reunited. Uh, I'm unclear the permanence of that decision, um, mm-hmm. but Tom Caters, Chris Neesman, and Brian Salazar, who are who are dear friends of ours, um, have have well, come back. We were we were Tom podcast. Have a column on our website. Yeah, talk, and so did Chris. So did Chris. Uh, both. Chris, Chris was an original Life Fanboy Brain Trust Animation yeah. Brain Trust member. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they've returned to do more podcasts. They were. Peers, air quote, of ours. <laughs> Back in the heyday of sort of our podcast. Old, new listeners are not going to know what this is, and we're going to sound completely like dicks. And so be it. Um, they have way less iTunes reviews than us. Um, and, and, and you know, like a, I think a four and a half rating compared to a five. But they're trying. God bless them. That's fine. Good for them. You know, good, good for, for them. They've come back. Go check out that show. They're, those guys are, are, are good comic book podcasters. This is, yeah, we're, just, we're keeping it up. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to tell you next time that it's fake. 
just gonna I'm just gonna take the risk that you think I'm a dick. Listen, in today's social More media so. climate, you have to really spell it out. I know. I know. Otherwise, we're anti around comic sites. So until <laughs> next week, Josh. Uh I'm Josh. I'm are you? Yep. Are you sure? We have never done it first. <laughs> what? I'm Connor. <laughs>